Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining my brother and I for what is going to be a fantastic podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, and if you don't know me, I have authored a series of books ongoing entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. All are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and volumes one through seven are at Audible iTunes and Amazon in audio format for your listening pleasure. And now, may I introduce you to my brother? Yes, my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Fantastic, man. You know, I want to uh, just say something right off the get-go here tonight, and that is to ask you to shed a little light on the launching of our podcast and the occasional uh, mishap in why it wouldn't go off at the time you generally stage it. Because we've had some very astute and uh, good listeners contact us uh, quickly when they don't see it launch because they're chomping at the bit to listen to it, and we appreciate that. <laughs> we do. We do. But, yeah. Yeah, so generally, folks, we uh, definitely we, we appreciate any feedback on uh, – the podcast and you guys give it to us which is fantastic and uh, today um, we got some feedback that uh, I guess was episode podcast 95 did not load on time like it normally does and I told Bill once in a while so uh, once in a while I well every single week I set up the next podcast to download somewhere between 11 p.m. Eastern and midnight Eastern on Saturday night. Now, it's important that you don't think that you can get it at 11 p.m. or 11.30 or even midnight. I mean, let me know if you can. I don't know. But that's just when our podcast hosting platform drops it into the Internet. And I don't know how many hours it takes for it to move around the world to all of the various servers that you would download it from, right? But kind of a good science project. Let me know uh, sometime when you can see it, if you're the first one to see it. Um, <laughs> but occasionally, when I set it up to drop, it doesn't drop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything it says it's okay to go, and then the next day, it doesn't go. And today was one of those days. And usually I get up in the morning, Sunday morning, and the first thing I do is I just grab my iPhone and I try to play the podcast like all of you. And uh, hopefully it's there. And this morning I just got sidetracked because of 
lots of reasons I won't go into here, um, but uh, it didn't drop for whatever reason. But uh, Bill Bill told me a couple of folks wrote in this afternoon. Thank you for writing in. And then I went up to our hosting platform, and sure enough, it was just stuck there. And I said, make it active right now, and it went active. So sorry about that. We actually were on time we did publish on time but it just didn't work but that's okay and and of course once in a blue moon because of technical difficulties or sickness or computer uh problems i guess that's technical difficulties too bill but we Mm -hmm. we miss uh miss a day or something like that or once in a blue moon we miss a week but that hasn't happened in a couple of years i don't think so uh but yeah, thanks for the feedback. No big deal. We were on time. We just had a little snafu. Yeah, that's it, Kev. Excellent. Uh, and uh, I just wanted you to do what you just did so that people have an explanation for the yeah, how yeah, and yeah. why. Yeah. And uh, I said to you, it's it's cool uh, that people are sitting by waiting for us to launch because they they want to listen to it, which is really. It's excellent, right? I mean, no, no, and, I, and I'm an early bird, and normally I will catch it if something hangs up. Like, I remember about a month ago, sure enough, I was up at like 6 a.m. Eastern. I went to my phone, I looked at it, and I was like, whoa, it's not there. And then I logged into our hosting platform, and I had to kick it again, you know, not literally physically kick it, but just uh, tell it to post immediately, and it posted immediately, and we didn't get any email about that one, so... Yeah, and, uh, you know, as we move along here with the podcast tonight, let me say this, Kev. Uh, to our listeners, to you people who are listening, uh, I am particularly interested in the subject matter for tonight. Uh, this is one of those nights where Kevin and I have shared a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Generally, we don't. And I have a certain penchant for this topic, and I've been following it for a couple of decades now, and we've been talking a little bit about it here or there. But uh, Kev, uh, in his due diligence, has uncovered uh, some excellent data here tonight that we're going to share with you. And uh, I want to open it up to Kevin now, and we're going to kick this around for a little while. This is really cool. Go ahead, Yeah, Kevin. yeah. And just to be clear to our audience, Bill, I only tell you what I'm going to talk about if I want you to watch the video ahead of time. Right. <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah. So I, uh, I told Bill, you know, and some of you out there in our listening audience, I'm, saw, I'm sure that you saw this in the news. So like CNN, for example, is mainstream news outlets. I mean, you can say what you want about CNN, but it is mainstream. <laughs> they, yeah. uh, they reported this week that the Defense Department confirms that the leaked video of unidentified aerial phenomena is real. And what they mean by unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAP in this case, is one of the sailors on those destroyers that were were swarmed by those drones back in July of 2019 released a video recently, and CNN published it, of mm-hmm. these said drones. And um, 
That it is spectacular video. So yeah. uh, you know the Defense Department came forward. They actually released the video to CNN and they commented and said, "You know something? We don't know what this is. Like the 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 video is real. It really did come come from a sailor on one of these destroyers off San Diego." That were swarmed by drones, what they call drones, in July of 2019. And, uh, Bill, the video is spectacular. Yeah, and Kev, let's let's be uh, blunt about this. In this day and age, and I'm talking about maybe like within the past six to seven years, the Royal Drone... Uh, is mismatched with what they're filming. No doubt about it. And by the way, Bill, I mean, you're into this a lot deeper than me, you know, the the UFO phenomenon on that. But, you know, they're really talking about it now as these unidentified aerial phenomena right. or UAP, which to right. me is relatively new. And they talk about in this story that the Pentagon has announced that in 2020, they formed a task force specifically to look into these UAPs. Yeah, and they've we've been kicking this around in the UFO community for decades. They've had other uh, entities that we know of uh, looking into this phenomena and kind of open and shut it, uh, trying to make it seem to the public, at least that's the way I interpreted it, that there was nothing to look for. We looked at it, we found nothing, end of story. And that's kind of been the the roll of the dice now for a long time with uh, UFOs. We looked at it, there's nothing about it. Uh, you know, you're imagining things, it was something else, it was Venus in the sky. Uh, all of these nonsensical things... Uh, uh, being said in spite of very, very good eyewitnesses uh, telling what they saw and saying it was not the sun, it was not a reflection, it was not a glare, it wasn't a hang glider, you know, and, and this is the way it's been for a long time. So something is afoot here where we're starting to see, uh, quote, authorities or authoritative uh, uh, entities coming forth with a little more than the status quo. Yeah, so let's let's talk about this video. So this first video is a triangular object. It looks like a delta wing plane, you know, like a Mirage fighter, if anyone out there knows what that is, but like a triangle wing craft on night vision. So it's a green screen with a glowing triangle moving around and the triangle is flashing um, not completely on and off but from like dull to bright on and off maybe in like a one second interval as it's moving around um, and that video was taken by navy personnel and pentagon spokeswoman so this is from the pentagon sue gow said in a statement to cnn uh, that she confirmed that photos of three identif- unidentified flying objects, one sphere-shaped, another acorn shape, and one characterized as a metallic blimp, were also taken by Navy personnel, in addition to the triangle-shaped one. Yeah, and a metallic blimp sure fits the bill for a tic-tac, doesn't it? Sure does. 
Sure does. You know, long and narrow, oblong in shape. Right. And, you know, we have the Tic Tac incident now. The video being released from the F-18 Hornet pilots. Uh, that this amazing sighting that they saw back in 2004 in the same area, by the way, off San Diego, maybe 100 miles out in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, we did an episode on that. And, the, and you know, that one is we're going to hear more about that as they release more, because, you know, the pilots are talking to one another and they're like, check out, check out the SA. There's a whole fleet of them out there and they're flying against the wind that's blowing out 120 knots. You know, yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not like getting back to your original point, Bill. It's not a drone like we think of it. No, I mean today we talk about drones, these little buzz bomb helicopters. Uh, they're using the term drone. I mean, let's face it, Kev. A drone could be an unmanned F sixteen computer piloted. Oh well, look at the look at the drones that the military uses. You know, right. One of them, like the one that the Iranians shot down, I forget the name of it, if you remember that, going back about a year, they said it was as big as a 737. Yeah, that's a big drone, brother. (laughs) Yeah, so this triangle in the video is pulsing. And if you looked off to the left or the upper left, your your eye is so focused on the one triangle posting, uh, pulsing. I thought I saw two or three more kind of oh, yeah. hazed, hazed yeah. out. Hazed out, the- not pulsing, but definitely objects there. You know, spherical. Right. It might have been one of those acorn-like ones that mm-hmm. uh, the spokesperson talked about. Yeah. And now listen, people have been seeing cigar-shaped objects since the 50s. Uh, I have an account, I think it's in volume eight or nine, uh, involving a Bigfoot or big two, one or more Bigfoot and a red uh, cigar-shaped UFO making a landing. Mm. Uh, but the, the latest phenomena, and it's not even that new, it's actually been around for, God, 30 or 40 years, these giant triangles... And we were just talking about that with the police chase. Yeah, out in the uh, Midwest. Yeah, yeah, in the Midwest. They were following a giant triangle, and numerous police officers were recounting its shape and the lights on the underside and it moving at spectacular rates of speed. Uh, come on. You know, everybody is not an imbecile and imagining all of these things that they're seeing. Now, I mean, I, I, you know me, Bill, I'm a bit of a skeptic. I'm the scientist guy. And I I see this stuff and uh, the military releasing it and, you know, military personnel filming it, filming it with night vision cameras and stuff. Like, okay, this is pretty darn cool. And like preparing for the episode tonight, I was like trying to come up with other explanations. Mm -hmm. And certainly, like we talked about last time, it could be other branches of the military. But again, this is the Pentagon reporting on it, which has responsibility for the other branches of the military. And it could be, you know, foreign uh, adversaries, but of the planet Earth, but, you know, it just doesn't seem likely. Like, they do mention in some of the r- reporting here of what they release that these uh, crafts 
are moving in a way that we know, the military knows, as not being possible by any craft that we have or any craft that anyone else, earthly that is, has. Well, uh, I think we talked about this before, Kevin. We talk about a lot of things redundantly, but the first UFO I ever saw, I was parked down by the Great South Bay on the South Shore of Long Island. Pitch black night, I was sitting with uh, Derek. You remember Derek, Oh, Kevin? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so me and Derek were sitting in my Ford Econoline van with a big windshield on it, and uh, we were watching a satellite, and we started talking about satellites and this and that. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm looking, Derek's looking at me, and I'm still looking at the purported satellite, and it stopped. And I said to Derek, the freaking satellite just stopped. That's not a satellite. So he was neither here nor there about it. And I'm watching this thing with great intent now. Like, what the hell is this thing that just stopped? And it started zigzagging around, stopping, making right angles, changing flight patterns. Now this thing really had my attention. And then suddenly, this thing bolted uh, from the south to the northeast at an indeterminate rate of speed. That's all I could say. It had to be something like 10, 15,000 miles an hour. That's how fast this thing left from being in eye view out the windshield of my van up in the sky to disappearing in the northeast in a crystal clear night. It took it seconds seconds to cover like a ridiculous amount of uh uh you know astronomical real estate for a diff- for lack of a better term man this thing left like a bullet out of a rifle well and you you hit the nail on the head bill it's like you know the experts say does it move like any craft that we know and, no. you know, like you see, like I, I saw recently, I mean, I see satellites all the time. But in the last few months, the space station came across here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it came across at like 7 p.m. This is before we changed the clocks. So, you know, after sunset, but about 7 p.m. And it came right down our street. And this thing was so bright, it was unbelievable. But I took out my... Uh, iPhone and launched a little app on it, you know, that tells me the constellations and that. And it also will tell you when the International Space Station is coming across. And sure enough, it was tracking right on it, ISS. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. You know, and then I heard about it on the news at night and stuff like that. But it moved in a straight line across the sky at a regular speed. You know, it didn't do any zigzagging. It didn't stop and go back the other way. And, you know, the UFO experts, they're kind of like, that's a good telltale sign that you're looking at something that's not an aircraft, not a satellite, etc. Not that you might see something that you think is a satellite, and in fact it's not. But if you see something that's moving across at a regular pace and then it turns around and moves back the other way, like satellites (laughs) don't do that. Yeah, hello. (laughs) Now, let's jump over. Uh, I hope you don't mind me popping in and out of a few of these things. Uh, Let's just jump for a minute. The one fellow was questioned uh, in this video that Kevin's going to post from the news. Uh, He was questioned as to whether or not, like, these were the best... Uh, pieces of footage they had uh, relative to some of these UAPs. 
Yeah. And uh, what, did, what did he say, Bill? He said they're the least of the bunch, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> and he said they had footage of uh, uh, UFOs or UAPs fifty feet out of the cockpit glass in some type of probably a fighter jet. Fifty feet. Yeah. That's from one end of my house to the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are they imagining they're seeing? Well, and they, <laughs> they said it a while back, you know, the, about the 2004 Tic Tac sighting, that they didn't release the most controversial of the of the videos. And it was like, you know, the 2004 Tic Tac, what are become known as the Tic Tac videos, where the F-18 Hornet pilots, Navy pilots are tracking these things and talking about it. Uh, with one another. I mean, what the heck else could be uh, more controversial than that? You know, I mean, it, it gets to the point where you're like, okay, maybe I don't want to know what they saw. <laughs> yeah, well, you heard a couple of the women on that news show. The one said, I'd rather pretend I didn't see it and go on with my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's... So th- there are people out there that are just foolishly afraid. And perhaps this is what they've been in their minds protecting against for many, many years, that if people got freaked out... Well, they don't want the world to go into a panic. I mean, if anything, we've seen in the last year what happens when the world goes into a panic, you know, from not being able to get toilet paper and not being able to get ammunition or whatever, you know. Well, I get it, but listen, I've seen these things numerous times, and uh, I've been living my life for 50 years after seeing them, so... yeah. I mean, I don't find it all that disturbing. No. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular Joe. So, you know, uh, but I, I understand that some people uh, may not be able to handle that. Now, let me just tell you this. For, for decades, uh, I've been hearing people interviewed, retired naval people, uh, retired Air Force people. And one of the things that I found particularly amazing was the USOs, the under, uh, Unidentified Submersible Objects. Yeah. And I heard people who were uh, submariners, retired, uh, saying that they had tracked things uh, around the Farallon Trench, which is that deep area off of uh, California coast, uh, you know, uh, what, who's out there? Santa Rosa Island, Catalina, San Miguel, all of these islands out there uh, that were tracked at doing speeds that they knew nothing about underwater. Hmm. And the same thing uh, was spoken about from surface craft people, radar operators. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, they were tracking stuff under the boats and around the fleet. And again, uh, off Catalina and out in the trench, that were moving at ridiculous rates of speed underwater. Mm. Now, jump into Kev that that piece of the video about the uh, the one UFO uh, going into the water. There was a yeah, couple. Yeah, so of there's them. there's one. I think it was reported by Jeremy Corbel. Uh, in Puerto Rico, this sighting of a UFO, it was in this story, though, published in this story, and we'll put the videos up on the website, BigfootTerryInTheWoods.com. But this thing is coming down towards the water, like 
descending towards the water. It's a sphere. It looks like it's whipping along over the ocean. And then it like hits the water and splits in half. And half of it is under the water and the other half is above the water. And like I was thinking about it, like maybe this is a reflection and stuff like that, but it doesn't look like a reflection. No, that was no reflection. And amazing footage. I never saw that before, Bill. Yeah, and when that thing hit the deck, and by the deck I mean the water, this thing was moving like a bat out of hell, hit the surface, and didn't miss a beat. I mean, it just went in like a rifle shot. And a rifle shot, if it hit the gel or the water, you'd see the stream and it would slow down rather quickly, and then that would be the end of it. This thing just kept going. Can you imagine what... I don't care how streamlined you are. What kind of G-forces are relative to hitting the water at a super high rate of speed? Cannot imagine. I mean, any airline or anything we own that would hit the water would just explode into pieces. Yeah, you can't, like, continue on underwater. I mean, that's, uh, what was the old uh, show, Bill, a thousand years ago, the... uh, Voyage uh, to the bottom of the sea. Voyage to the bottom of the sea, where they'd have yeah. that craft that took off and returned, right? Yeah, the flying sub. Yeah. That was a cool-looking thing. That was a UFO ahead of its time. That was a UFO, but not real, of course. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and that thing used to dive into the water and make a splash, and, of course, they were sitting in there with little uh, suits on. Yeah, it was pretty low-tech uh, special <laughs> effects. <laughs> They were they were eating a cheeseburger and drinking a Coke and didn't even get wet. <laughs> oh, my yes, God. Good stuff. But I, I'll put these videos up, Bill. We're going to hear more about this. You know, now that they have announced that in 2020 they formed, the Pentagon formed this UAP group to look into it. And, and in the same uh, announcement, they said that they're going to be freeing up more of this footage that was previously classified. So I think we're going to be talking about this a lot over the next year or two. Yeah, no, it's excellent. And we'll stay on it. It's a very interesting other oddities topic, no doubt. Yeah, and any any of you that may be on one of these uh, UAPs and you're listening to our podcast, because I know there's a few of you, I can commit (laughs) that if you want to join my brother... And sit next to him and be part of the recording. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just bring it down in the front lawn and I'll open the door. <laughs> if you try any funny business, though, I got a razor sharp samurai sword. <laughs> yeah, don't don't stop by my place, but go see my brother. <laughs> I ain't as scared of no freaking alien. Bring it on. You and the cowardly lion ain't a scam. A tail limb from limb. <laughs> oh, I need if some I, courage. If I were king of the forest. <laughs> awesome. You remember what happened with him when the witch showed up? He, ju- he jumped behind Dorothy as a human shield. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's great stuff, man, and we're going to stay on it. And uh, I have a really uh, interesting, well, every Bigfoot encounter is interesting, right, Uh, to bring you away tonight. And this account was told to me by a guy named Vernon Hayes, 
who was actually visiting his cousins in Oklahoma at the time of the sighting. And this is what Vernon had to share. As I told you, Bill, this sighting did not occur all that long ago. It happened during the summer of 2015 when I had gone to visit my cousins. One afternoon, my cousin Lewis had the idea of heading into Turner Falls in the hope of seeing some wildlife as the afternoon's light waned. Now, the strangest thing about this whole deal to me was the fact that this park was heavily trafficked, albeit not necessarily at the time of day we were going in, but there's an entry fee and a lot of people walk around in there. Don't get me wrong, it's not as though there are throngs of people walking here and there, uh, and many of those who do come in, come in apparently hang out by the actual falls. But according to Lewis, on a nice day, you will see many people as you hike around, especially during the good weather months, which we were in. We had hiked in a good couple of miles and had actually only seen two people the entire time as the sun began to get very low in the horizon, with the area we were in somewhat darkening. At any rate, we were heading back towards the parking area with the intention of leaving, making our way along a creek which was about 30 feet wide at the point where we stood. The water was a bluish green, somewhat mossy color, and from our perspective, there were many trees which overhung the water to the point where one wondered why they didn't just fall into it. So as we stood there looking to our right-hand side, this body of water or creek meandered away from us, disappearing from view into the trees and brush. At this point in time, the park was deadly quiet and you could literally hear the sounds of silence. It was actually quite serene and beautiful to be there. Looking to my left, I thought we were about to continue walking when Lewis tapped me on the shoulder. When I turned my head in response, he had his finger to his mouth signaling to be quiet, as he then pointed to the area which this creek disappeared into the trees. As he crouched down and moved behind a tree, I followed in like fashion, and the two of us were looking where he had pointed. He said nothing. Obviously, he had seen something which I hadn't, and I was wondering what was going to pop into view. As we watched, I saw something dark brown in color flash in and out of view in the bushes, but I couldn't see enough of whatever it was to identify it. It was most definitely large, but what it was, I had no idea. Moments later, the bushes parted and we saw this figure emerge and squat down by the creek. My heart began to race as I realized what I was seeing was a Sasquatch kneeling by the creek only a hundred yards or less away from us. The creature squatted, cupped its hands, scooped water from the creek, and began to drink it. We were well concealed, but the creature was craning its neck to the left and right as it drank, and I couldn't believe we had not been spied out by it. Truth be told, it may very well have seen us and just didn't care about us being there. As it was squatting, the top of its head seemed to be some six feet from the ground, and the bulk of its body was more than evident to our eyes. 
This was an enormous creature, and it was wandering around in this park unseen and unknown by the visitors. Who knows? Maybe many others had seen it, but as far as Lewis and I were concerned, we had not. Just so you understand, visitors had to pay a fee to come in here and walk around, just as we had on that day. All of the trails were very well worn from foot traffic, with the main trail being close to some four miles in length. As we watched, this creature now stood up, presenting us with a full view of its stature. We could now see that it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 feet tall, possibly even 10 feet tall, and perhaps 2 feet thick or better from a side view. It stood there for a moment and then began to roll its shoulders as a weightlifter would before making a heavy lift. Then it squatted down again and began to drink from the creek once more. It was then that the silence was broken by what sounded like a truck engine from perhaps a ranger or somebody patrolling the park. The Sasquatch stood to its feet, turned its head in the direction of the engine noise, and vanished into the brush. Lewis gave me what I would describe as a quiet high five, and we began to make our way out. We didn't actually talk for a while as we walked, but were rather walking with our eyes and ears, uh, paying close attention to the area around us. Of course, we now knew that this giant was walking around in here with us, and perhaps there were more of them, who knows? When we were well clear of the woods and felt more comfortable about our surroundings, the two of us were talking with great excitement about what we had seen by the creek. I know that I speak for both of us in saying that neither of us could wrap our minds around something that large wandering around within the park. Of course, we had no way of knowing if it was just passing through or what, but the sheer fact that it was there when we were was utterly fantastic. As we now stood by the truck, I began to tremble. I don't know if this was some type of delayed reaction or what, but I was literally shivering as though I was standing in the freezing cold with no coat on. When we got home, everyone was listening to us, but who knows what they all thought about what we were saying. One thing is for certain. We both knew what we had seen and experienced, and that is enough for me. I had heard about such sightings before, and in reality, I'm not sure what I really thought. It's like many things in life. Until it happens to you, you're a skeptic of what you're being told, or skeptical of what you're being told. But now we were counted among those who had actually seen one for ourselves. The following day, Lewis had convinced me to go back in the park with him, hoping to find some footprints or evidence in the area where we had seen it drinking. We made our way into the exact spot where it had been, and I suddenly became very afraid I expressed to Lewis my reservations about being there, to which he said that we could stop and go back or continue forward. It was up to me. So I fought through my feelings, and we walked up the side of the creek to where this beast had been. As we got closer, we could see why this creature had come into view in this spot. All around it and leading away from it, the woods were much denser and showed no signs of humans walking. You couldn't walk through this area, which was well away from the beaten path. This thing could have been 15 feet away from where we were standing, and we would have been unable to see it. 
This told us that it was actually way more calculating than we had thought. Choosing the path carefully where it would not be seen by a passerby. As we made our way to the spot on the shore, if you could call it that, we looked down and saw a number of large human-like foot impressions in the moist edge of the creek's bank. It's not that we needed more proof than what we had already seen, but it was more or less an investigative confirmation, a gathering of the facts, if you will, in our own minds. We left the park that day knowing we had done our due diligence as witnesses to a Sasquatch, and it was incredible. To this day, I still ask Lewis if he has seen the beast again, to which he says, no. How about that, Kev? Pretty interesting. Turner Falls, Oklahoma. I was I was looking it up, Bill, while you were going through it, and it's I was wondering how close it was to Honobia, which is, you know, the hotbed of historical Bigfoot sightings in Oklahoma. And it looks like it's about 150 miles west of Honobia. But it does right. look like a beautiful and quite rural park. Yeah, and <coughs> excuse me. Of course, that Honobia thing, there were people that disagree with that. It never happened. That was where the, the guys got attacked in that house, and they were getting bombarded with rocks, right? Yeah, one of the, one of the accounts like that. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's so, been a uh, lot of sightings out there, too, in eastern Oklahoma, so, which is where Honobia is. And this Turner Falls looks like it's about halfway between Dallas to the south, Dallas, Texas, and Oklahoma City to the north. So kind of... Uh, you know, out there in pretty rural country, and it does look like uh, it's quite beautiful. Certainly the the images of Turner Falls are spectacular. Yeah, now, you know, uh, Vernon and his uh, cousin Lewis made a good point. Uh, they weren't sure if it was there regularly or if the thing had just been passing through and stopped by the creek on its way to uh, Honobia or something. Who the heck knows, knows? where it was going, you yeah, know? Who knows? But uh, really interesting, you know, when, uh, again, a very random, uh, extraordinary sighting wasn't planned for. Uh, it sounds like they just went there to chill out and walk around and uh, wasn't crowded at the time. And bing, bang, boom, here comes this thing. Yeah, relatively relatively recently in the summer of 2015, and this would be one of the jumbo size hairy men, right? Where they said uh, when it was squatted down getting a drink, the top of its head was about six feet off the ground. Right, and then he kind of recanted a little bit, saying eight to ten feet standing up. Yeah. Which makes more sense to me. I think a Bigfoot, if it was squatting, would probably peel at least a couple of feet off of its height. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, depending how low it was squatting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but that's freaking, that, that's just, that stuff is off the charts, you know. Huge critter. Yeah. And again, folks, you know, I am contacted continually uh, by listeners and readers of my books uh, who report to me uh, sightings and evidential finds, both old and new, some of their own, some within the family. Uh, some, nothing was seen, but things were heard and 
think there was strange goings on around their property uh, that are contemporaneous with other sightings. And uh, so don't be afraid. I don't bite anybody. I talk to a lot of people. Contact us at uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link. Send me an email, and uh, I'll probably uh, be touching base with you. Very cool. Yep. All right, Kev, so that's it. What do we got from yeah, our listeners? Yeah, a great, great account, Bill. Thanks for sharing that one. Bigfoot in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. And, uh, of course, now we still have the bounty out there for the for the Bigfoot Bigfoot body, right? Put in put in place by the uh State House of Representatives, as I recall, in Oklahoma. Yeah, did they uh raise the ante on that? I I remember reading that they did, but you know, I don't I don't know that it makes a difference. If it's tens of thousands of dollars, it's you know, somebody's going to try to produce the body. Yeah, but they're talking about trapping one. Well, or shooting one too, whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I recall I that it was dead or alive. Wow. <laughs> Did they put up one of them old wanted posters with the burnt, curled-up edges on it? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wanted, dead or alive. Yeah. Gigantic monkey. <laughs> Gigantic monkey with flat feet. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's st- and stinky. And stinky. Smells like your underarms. <laughs> oh. uh, that's freaking terrible. But anyways, yeah, I mean, I guess it's still going on out there. And, uh, I, you know, I my mind goes to the Joker way, you know. So I'm thinking maybe it's a big joke that they did it. Uh, but uh, it's no joke if you run into one, I'll tell you that. No, no way, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You just talk to some of the people that have had close-up and personal encounters, and there's nothing funny about it. So this thing will scare the bejeebas out of anybody. I don't care who you are and how big you All are. All day long. Yeah. Yeah. That's a frightening thing to run into. Cool. Well, Bill, we got some great listener mail, as usual, in addition mm-hmm. to the folks asking where our podcast was for a few hours when it was missing in action. But fortunately... Uh-huh. Uh, it's back in action. The first one comes in from Keith, and Keith doesn't specify uh, where he's from. Um, guessing maybe the southwestern U.S. because he writes in about the Mojave Sandman. And he's, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah, and he writes, "Hello, W.J. and K.J. Have you guys ever discussed the Southwest U.S. Bigfoot variant known as the Mojave Sandman?" One of the most interesting accounts I've heard where supposedly one broke into a government base and twisted a soldier's gun up like a coat hanger. Hmm. Thank you for the great shows. You guys are two of the most entertaining Bigfooters on the interweb. And he writes, (laughs) in the words of Homer Simpson, if you see Sasquatch, tell him I like his style. Oh, my God. Makes you wonder why the soldier didn't pop a shot off of him. Who knows? Off at him, you Who know? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe but he was the, sleeping. You know, I've heard. I've heard of Bigfoot in... Uh, I have at least one account in a fairly arid area. Uh, 
where Bigfoot was sighted. Uh, but the Mojave Desert, you know, Kev, there are people uh, out there who make it a study of what goes on in the Mojave Desert. And that is one strange place, man. People go out there to disappear. There's all kinds of freaking cult activities out there, murder, mayhem, UFOs. Uh, it wouldn't, uh, no doubt in my mind that there could probably be numerous uh, Bigfoot sightings out in the Mojave. Well, I mean, and when I lived out in uh, in the desert in Phoenix, Arizona for a while, um, I can tell you that one of the things that is tricky out there is the visibility is ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. I mean, on a clear night, you can see hundreds of miles. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's one of the phenomena out there that's commonly reported as a UFO is, um, you know, when the planes are coming in to land out in Phoenix at Sky Harbor International Airport, that when they have their landing lights on, you know, which, of course, are super powerful and super bright, they look like a string of lights going up into the sky, kind of like literally a string of lights. And you'll see like 15 or 20 lights uh, in a curved shape going up towards the sky. And that's generally 15 or 20 airplanes with their landing lights on going out 100 miles. Yeah. You know, but, you know, most people, especially if you're traveling in from out of town, you've never seen anything like that, you know, because. Yeah, you know, uh, Kev, I have an app on my phone. Uh, I don't know exactly what the name of it is, but it's the Air Traffic Controllers app. Yep. And you could tune into uh, just about every airport on the globe. And uh, you could listen to the controllers uh, squawking back and forth with the planes. Yeah. And, you know, they're catching everybody. Uh, the chatter is almost endless on a busy time oh, of day. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, they're calling different planes from 14,000 to 8, from 8 to 4, from 4 to 1,500. One after another, they're just bringing them down in steps, guiding them into the same two runways at Kennedy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it would make sense to me. Exactly what you're saying. All of these planes have their landing lights on. They're all playing follow the leader. Uh, a huge amount of them are coming from one direction or the other in a line. And if you were in line with them, looking at them nose on, you would be seeing all of these lights. Yeah, the string of lights. And yep. I know I saw it, you know, when we first moved out there. You know, I moved there from Long Island, Bill. That was my first stop on my global adventure. And... Uh, I looked at it and I was like, what the heck is that? You know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one of the guys I was with was like he was a local native and he was like, oh, those are just airplanes. I'm like, no, those aren't airplanes. You know, he's like, no, no, don't forget, you can see like 200 miles tonight. And I'm not That's- saying all the lights could shine 200 miles, but you could see a lot further than we could growing up, Bill, looking up over the Long Island sky. You know. Well, let's put it this way. If you saw 15 planes spaced out a couple of miles, that's 30 miles. Yeah, and we didn't have visibility and, like that. You know. No, no. And if out there you could see even 100 miles. Yeah. You know, you could bright lights at night, you could see 
Now, when I know blades. we used to see the lightning, you know, because we would we would get so desperate for a thunderstorm, and we'd see the vivid lightning off in the distance, and we'd jump in the car and drive toward the lightning, you know, and we'd be doing eighty miles an hour for like an hour, and then we'd stop. And we'd still see the lightning, but we weren't any closer. It was like, oh, forget it, you know. Forget it. You know, this is a, <laughs> this is a lost cause. Yeah, that is incredible. Yeah, so thanks, Keith. Uh, we will look into the Mojave Sandman. I put him on the list. But no, uh, in short, I, I haven't heard about him. I've definitely heard about some of the creatures and oddities out that way, but not specifically the Mojave Sandman. So I'll check I it wonder out. If, I wonder if munching on peyote had anything to do with the mm. sighting. You saying I was munching on peyote? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, anybody who's anybody who's seen the Mojave the peyote, Sandman. Peyote yeah. pears on the cactus, yeah. Yeah, whatever they are. Yeah. I heard they make people into freaking zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they make zombies into people. <laughs> Ooh, All right, our next one comes from Scott in the UK. And, hey, Scott. Yeah, and Scott writes, and Scott's written into us before. He says, hi, guys. Pilgrim Scott here again, checking in from Plymouth, England. Uh-huh. I just wanted to point you both to the latest footage of the Yowie coming in from Australia. And uh, he reports that the Australian Yowie Research Expedition guys posted some amazing FLIR footage on their YouTube channel on the 16th of April. So just a couple of days ago, he said it's pretty mm-hmm. compelling and clearly shows a humanoid figure and actually mm-hmm. two of them, in fact. And I did check it out, Scott, and it is pretty cool. So uh, yeah. we may we may make an episode on that one, too, if I can find some more information on it. Yeah, no, it's quite interesting. Uh, uh, you know, Scott's a good guy, and we have all of these beat beat uh, reporters out there uh, taking it upon themselves to really be a viable part of our audience uh, by sending us things, by uh, chatting with us. And uh, listen, don't get discouraged, man, because the more the merrier. Mm. We're all about getting info from people around the planet uh, about the subject matter that we're digging into and sharing. So do not be shy. Continue to beat the bushes. Continue to start the conversation and continue to contact us. Absolutely. Stay in touch. This podcast is only as good as the info we get from all of you out there in the listening audience. And we get a lot of info, and we cherish it. It's great to hear from you, and great to hear the tips, too. As you all know, I do uh, go and look into some of the tips that you provide, because they're pretty interesting stuff. Absolutely. Cool. All right, our last letter for tonight, Bill, comes in from Charles. From Alaska, one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. And Charles writes, Greetings. I am a teacher slash school counselor in a very remote village called Pilot Station, Alaska. One must fly here, uh, for there are no roads. Only mile after mile of very rugged mountains and tundra. Mm. I have read your eight books and seem to really enjoy every moment while doing so. I'm teaching middle school at this time, and I've read some of the softer stories to them. (laughs) Chicken. (laughs) People here have spotted Bigfoot as well as I. I saw it from about a half a mile distance on this old shutdown airport 
moving very fast. I tried to get closer to it, but its athleticism is unreal. I saw it moving across this baseball field in at least three feet of snow with ease, and then smoothly jumped over the right field fence as if it were not there. I believe it was a teenage Bigfoot, tall and much <laughs> thinner than the stories one reads about. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. I married the teenage Bigfoot. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, Charles, I can run through three feet of snow like a gazelle, buddy. Yeah, all six feet. <laughs> <laughs> Two strides, maybe three. And then Charles writes, do you have any other books, stories that are published? Again, your writing is most enjoyable to read. It seems Bigfoot can be extremely dangerous. My wife and I walk each day on this very nice three-mile road to the new airport e each morning. At this time, I have no firearm, but intend to get a high-powered forty-four soon. 44, brother. Charles, uh, you should have a sidearm or a rifle if you're walking around rural parts of Alaska. Yeah. Come on, man, please. Please. You know, if we hope to hear from you again, buy a gun. You're not at the top of the food chain in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, and by the way, uh, I will be in the process of trying to contact Charles. So if you're listening, Charles... Just remember, folks, if you're trying to get a hold of me, uh, you know, different strokes, different time zones, different working schedules. It's a little bit of a telephone tag game. But uh, if you put a little bit into it and I put a little bit into it, we're going to be talking to each other. So, Charles, uh, I'm going to be I want to hear firsthand uh, what you saw, because uh, it's in the details uh, that I am enlightened about these various uh, sightings and encounters, and the details only come out in a conversation. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that's interesting, Kev. Charles, another school teacher reading my books to his students. Yeah, it's awesome. Only the softer stories, Bill. Yeah, yeah. We're not ripping on. deer off, deer's heads off. Yeah, come off. on. Give the kids what they want. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. Good so stuff. that's a wrap. Good that's stuff. it, bro. That's it, man. That's it for tonight. Um, great episode. Great accounts. These UFO stuff is just phenomenal. This yeah. breaking news. And folks, um, keep giving us those five-star reviews. They're coming in great. We have great reviews. Listenership keeps growing every week. And virtually the only way we have to attract new people to the podcast is by you giving us those five-star reviews. So even if you've give us one, given us one before, you know, give us another one if it's been a while. And and if you happen to be one of the rare folks that gave us a bad review, maybe you didn't like the sound of my brother's voice or something like ah. that, and now you like it more, or even if you don't like it more, give us a five-star review. Uh, and we really appreciate it. By getting more listeners to the podcast, we're able to maintain that regular schedule of uh, every week and continuously improve the quality of the podcast. Kev, are you saying that people have commented they don't like my voice? Only a couple, Bill. I don't like their face. <laughs> what do you think of that? We haven't had anyone comment on your <laughs> pronunciation of Oregon lately. Well, anyways, folks, <laughs> if you find yourself strolling around 
an abandoned airport in Alaska. You better make sure of just one thing, my friend. That you're always carrying more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight, Charles. <laughs>